I got into a few fights as a kid, but I'm not a fighter or a troublemaker. I mean, the fights that I did get in were over stupid things, and we always ended up playing baseball right after. But there was one fight I almost had, and it took everything in me not to have it. I remember sitting beside her in my sixth grade classroom, and quite regularly, for one reason or the other, she would hit me in my forehead. The teacher would scold her and then tell her she was going to get in trouble if she didn't stop it. And I was angry. I was angry at her. And I imagined my hands around her throat, pushing her to the ground and jumping on her. And that was that was my imagination, of course. And I often wondered why the teacher didn't just get rid of her. Why didn't she get in big trouble? Why was she never in the principal's office? But I also remember the day we had the spelling bee. I was new to the school. That was my first year in that public school, and I won the spelling bee. She was in the spelling bee as well, and after the competition was complete in the auditorium, I I remember the day clearly. I saw her in one corner, and she looked sad at first, and I I felt justified. I got to tell you, I I felt justified because of all the slaps that that I'd endured. But then as I started to look at her, she started to cry and she ran off. I started to go after her, but her friend stopped me. I don't remember what her friend said. I just remember her stopping me. And I remember seeing this girl run around the corner. Now, up to that point, I'd convinced myself the only reason I didn't hit her back was because she was a girl. But when I saw her tears, I didn't see her as a girl. I saw her as someone who was hurt, someone who had just felt the sting of losing. You see, the year before, I'd won my school competition, but I got disqualified on a silly mistake. Ooh, I should tell you that story sometime in the district competition. So I knew the sting and I and I could feel it in that moment. And as I think back on those moments, I sometimes still wonder if the reason that I wanted to go after her was because I was being empathetic or did I have some deeper seated belief that I needed to be softer with her because she was a girl? Did I cause the situation to be worse? Did I cause it to continue because I operated underneath the model of doing less, not correcting, not saying as much because she was a girl? Could I have been enabling instead of protecting because of something inside me that simply said she's a girl? Do we operate differently with girls? And what does that even mean? Well, let's talk with a girl today and find out. We talking about leadership communication, public speaking, storytelling, motivation. And if you listen, you can speak out to the nation. If you think about it, life is your own creation. RK3 is the show. He speaks with confidence. He speaks with that flow. And you should already know how it goes. Get rolling with a pro. The RK3 Show. Hey, 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 it's RK Trey. Yeah, yeah, that's me. Here we go with another episode, episode 67, to be exact. That's a fact. Today, we're going to keep it simple and jump right in. I normally have a little bit of a prelude and things that I say beforehand, but I'm going to jump right in fairly quickly today. I know that 
being who I am from a race and ethnicity perspective offers some challenges, to say the least. But I also know that there are some advantages that I have that my wife doesn't have. Mechanics speak to my wife differently. The people in the electronics department at Walmart speak to my wife differently. They just do. And it's these microaggressions that build over time and make a difference in how people operate. Being a woman is challenging. And it's an experience I will never understand personally. So what about in the hyper-competitive world of sports? How does a woman deal with being great, being a professional, and being being in a position naturally assumed to be a man's position? I wanted to ask about that. So today's guest is former WNBA star Lisa Willis. Lisa is currently an assistant coach for the Westchester Knicks, the affiliate for the New York Knicks of the NBA. Let's talk about it. Today, my guest is ex, well, I don't like saying ex a whole lot, but I'll former, let me use that word, former star from UCLA, former WNBA player with the Sparks and the New York Liberty, woo-hoo, and currently an assistant coach with the New York Knicks G League team, Lisa Willis. How are you doing today? I'm fantastic. Happy to be here. Yeah, listen, I'm so glad that you are able to connect with us. I know it took us a little bit. We were connecting on Instagram. We were in different places, and and it took us a little while to get here, but we got here. Indeed. (laughs) So listen, I I, want to jump right in. Today, we really want to talk a little bit about kind of the the obvious, right? So you work with the New York Knicks. Tell me a little bit about – well, before we jump into the Knicks – how did you even get into professional basketball? How did you know that it was something that was possible for you? Uh, well, coaching uh, professionally, that was, I, I didn't think about it enough to know that it was possible or impossible. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had some friends, uh, former teammates who made the jump to coaching in the NBA And I was like, wow, that's so awesome. Congratulations. But I never took it the step further to see myself doing that. And so um, my journey is different from a lot of people's journey. Um, As a retired WNBA player, there's a program within the NBA for assistant coaches where it helps gear them up, um, gear us up with the information and the tools and the skill set to really become a um, viable candidate to coach in the NBA. So before we go into coaching, I want to take it way back. I want to go back to the the night of the draft. Let's kind of let's kind of start with the, that the beginning of that. What did you feel? What was going through your mind? How did it feel that night when you heard your name, Lisa Willis, Los Angeles Sparks? So that was is this is going to sound really crazy. The draft was during the day, and yeah. so the night of the draft, two completely different feelings. During the day. Um, it was amazing. Like going to the WNBA wasn't like a lot, a lifelong dream. Mm-hmm. Like prior to draft day, I only really considered being a professional athlete, um, maybe nine to 12 months prior to that. Wow. So for me to be sitting in the green room at the draft, um, it was just amazing. So then it gets to the number four pick 
And um, after they say that, it goes a commercial break. And I knew that the Sparks had the next pick. And I told my mom, I was like, mom, I want to go to the Sparks. Never had I said anything like that before, you know, yeah. but at that commercial break between the fourth and fifth pick, I was like, I think I want to go to the Sparks. So at the commercial break, they start saying all this great stuff about me, about why I would be a great fit. And then um, my name was called. And I mean, I was shaking, like tapping wow. my knee super quick. I was sweating. It was crazy. Um, but it was just it was just an amazing feeling. Is awesome. a huge sense of accomplishment. However, wow. the night of the draft, my family had already flown back out to um, California. We were in Boston at the time, so they flew back out to California, and that was probably one of the loneliest nights I've ever had. Wow! Like, uh, yeah, I was. My agent was there with me, so no offense to him, but mm-hmm. you know, we didn't have a strong relationship at the time, so it was just me and my agent. Um, in Boston, we had dinner, we talked, but it was just like this great sense of accomplishment. I couldn't really share it with my family. Like we, that time had to be cut off because they had wow. to fly back home. And so it was a great feeling and then a lonely feeling like immediately following that. Wow. So, I mean, that's something that, that people don't really even think about. They kind of see people that are in the public eye and they envy them. They, they compare themselves to them and they kind of just feel like, it's always great to be you simply because you are celebrity status. So, I mean, tell us maybe some, something else that people don't really know about what it's like to live the life that you live in, in the public eye. I mean, you have to, you can't make the same mistakes Mm. and mistakes is how we grow, you know, without knocking your head on, on something a couple of times, without seeing that this is too hot, like, you know, it, it's hard to really develop the right way or to yeah. develop at the same speed as others when you're almost in a sheltered, um, in a, in a sheltered lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Because even when we go to college, um, I mean, yes, we're away from home, but you have the whole coaching staff making sure that you're doing the right thing. Once yeah. you go pro, like there's even more dollars invested in you. So it's, it's always like a sheltered situation so that, um, you, you know, you just you just have to walk the straight and narrow. And outside of illegal activities, like sometimes you want to bump your head the way other people bump their head. Yeah. And it's like you can't because you don't want that to show up on ESPN Sports Center, you know, um, and that's a real situation. Like it's yeah. like, no, I can't do that because that's not how I want my highlight on ESPN to, to go. I don't want that um, title. Yeah. And so I would just say that that's our learning curve is a little bit different because we're we're super sheltered because so much money is invested in us. Mm. Wow. So when you, because you're, you're a high draft pick and, and people kind of look at you as having more than they did or having more than they have, how did, how did people treat you? Did people begin to treat you differently because of your accomplishments? Yes. Um, and there's a lot of that. That's a loaded question because I, like, <laughs> I mean, so after retiring, going on to motivational speaking and whatnot, Mm -hmm. some people don't think that I know the struggle. And it's like, well, there's a ton of struggles. 
there's a ton of struggles that, you know, I've dealt with, but I didn't have the rags of riches story. And that seems to be the most popular one. Right. And so it's like, well, you've done this, you've done that. You've had that handed to you, this, that, and the third. And it's like, well, no, I haven't. I haven't had that handed to me. I worked hard for all that. I busted my butt for that. I might have different, you know, struggles in you, but I do have struggles. Mm -hmm. Um, But then on the positive side, like when guys hear uh, the things that I've accomplished, they're just like, oh my gosh, like they're, they're super excited about it because a lot of them have had those same aspirations. And so for me to, um, for me to have accomplished what some of their dreams were, they're just like, oh my gosh, women, not so much. Uh, Someone I'm working with, with young girls, um, for some reason, my accolades and accomplishments, they don't go as far as it goes with, with their uh, male con- counterparts. So that's an interesting dynamic. Right. What, why do you think that is? I'm not for sure. I've been trying to figure that out for a little while. I think that yeah. maybe there's a competition uh-huh. or like, uh, you know, I know that when I met Lisa Leslie, when I was maybe in the eighth grade, I told her I could beat her, you know, wow. silly me. I know I was out of my mind, but <laughs> when I saw her and saw how great she was, I said, I could beat you. But if I would have saw like Michael Jordan, I don't think I would have said that. Mm. And they both were like the best at their, at their respective time. So I think it's just seeing yourself doing the same things. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you, I don't know, I've been trying to figure it out for a little while though. Communication, motivation, leadership, and more. You're listening to the RK3 Show. Have you ever wondered why some people are able to be remembered so easily? Have you ever thought about why they are associated with certain experiences? Well, it's because they repeat those experiences regularly. They have what is called a signature story. And guess what? You have one too. You might not know how to find it or tell it yet, but you have one. Here's what I want you to do. Sign up for my free five-day email course and learn how to discover your signature story so that you can tell it, create impact, improve your influence, and even enhance your brand. Sign up for the five-day signature story email course. Check the show notes for the link. And now, back to the show. So let's so let's talk about this glass ceiling that that we talk about all the time whenever a woman is put into a position that's predominantly expected to be male filled then the, you know we talk about that glass ceiling right so it, it's funny we want women want to get to a certain place but i think what part of what you're saying is that women also uh, struggle with when another woman is able to get to a certain certain place. So what, what, are, what are some of the things that you think have enabled you to break through and to overcome some of the obstacles that ha- have been put in your way on the way to this male-dominated position? Well, I would say one of the biggest things that has helped me was the women before me, mm-hmm kick butt doing it like if if they let a woman into the nba as a coach and she didn't do a good job that definitely would have hindered my opportunities wow. but i mean 
I want to say there's about 11 women working in the NBA right now, and they are doing absolutely phenomenal jobs, which makes the decision makers say, well, wait, (laughs) it's not such a bad thing to have them here. As a matter of fact, it's an asset, Mm. you know, and so I, I, I truly charge, you know, my opportunities to their success as well. Um, <clears throat> some of the barriers is not everybody is that open-minded, right? You know, um, the NBA is, is the highest of the highest levels for, for uh, men's basketball. And some people wanted to stay as the men's game. Mm-hmm. Um, some people are, are threatened, um, for whatever reasons, but I found that a lot of the the men who are secure in their own abilities, they love the opportunity to work with a woman because wow. they know that for starters, our foundation is good. Like mm-hmm. they wouldn't bring us in without super duper scrutiny. So they know our foundation is good, but then they know that we have different approaches just like they would have different approaches from us. And uh, symbiotically it could work great. Mm-hmm. Wow. So w- would you, and this is this may be a leading question in in some ways. So you're in the the G League, the male the male G League, right? Um, what are the thoughts about going there versus seeking a role maybe in the WNBA? I mean, do, have you faced that struggle in with, with yourself? Not really. Okay. Um, I never thought about coaching in the WNBA. I never thought about coaching in the G League. I never thought about coaching in the NBA. And mm. so this is all very new. This is just, <laughs> wow. you know, me going from entering into the NBA's assistant coaches program just to learn how to be a better coach mm-hmm. to now I'm seeing more opportunities. And wow, I have an opportunity to interview and coach with the Westchester Knicks. And so that's really how that came about. Um, People now ask me if I'm interested in coaching in the W and it's not that I'm not interested. It's just, I've been coaching women for so long that it's like, this is really exciting to work with men in a different population. Um, So I'm definitely not opposed to it by any means. Um, but none of the three have really been something that I said, oh my gosh, when I retire, I want to coach here. Right, right. So when you, um, if you, as you run into somebody, so you, you ran into Lisa Leslie when you were in eighth grade, as you run into maybe young ladies that were that same age, what are some of the things that you share with them about the journey itself that maybe were unexpected? Um, one thing I try to tell them is to always compete with themselves and do it because you love to do it. Um, and I say that because if you're competing with somebody else, first of all, that sets your standards way lower because once you get, once you become better than that person, then what are you chasing? You're always going to be chasing some kind of external, um, carrot we'll say, but as long as you're just trying to be better than you were the day before. I mean, the sky is the limit with your growth. Yeah. Additionally, when you're focusing on just yourself, now what people are saying on the outside doesn't matter. I personally had to deal with acceptance and approval issues. Um, I felt like I played really good games and my coach didn't mention me in the newspaper. 
Wow. You know, or I've been, you know, um, people have wrote, written great articles about me. I gave them a lot of power saying, yeah, 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 that's a great article. You're a truth teller. And then when the tables turn and I didn't play well in their eyes, I'm also giving them the power to be the truth teller, even when it's negative about me. Wow. And so I, I try to get them to understand, like, do this because you love it. Do this and just try to be better than who you were the day before. Trust in God, most definitely, because it will get challenging and then everything will take care of itself. Awesome. Awesome. So as a, you, you mentioned that one of the things that you do is you're a speaker, you're a motivational speaker as well. What advice do you have for someone that may want to uh, follow that path as well? as a speaker you have to you have to reflect and really understand who you are um you can't go on stage and try to be somebody else <laughs> like um et is a great motivational speaker yeah i'm not going on stage screaming at everybody Les brown i mean there's all these great guys out there and women out there and it's like my story has to be good enough for me. Right. I, if my story is good enough for me and I can tell other people how I've overcome my story and my journey, then that's when I'll be able to help them. Yeah. But as long as I'm trying to be somebody else or I'm not dealing with some of the bottleneck areas that I've had to deal with throughout my journey, you won't be efficient. You won't be effective. Yeah. And so um, that's what I would say. Just own your story and be yourself. Awesome. Awesome. Where can people get connected with you to learn more about you, to find you? Where do you hang out online? Instagram. Instagram is my favorite. Um, yeah. And I am Lisa Willis four zero on Instagram and on Twitter. We've got to think differently. Yeah, we have different understandings, different genders, different colors, different shades, different families, different values, different experiences. Yeah, there are a lot of differences. But we can either choose to operate from a position of power where we choose to focus on our differences and hold others back based on those differences, or we can see the world as this great community that functions most effectively because of our differences. What do you want? Power? Just raw, uncut power? Or do you want significance? I choose significance. I choose it. Because I will be remembered for my contribution rather than any persecution. I choose it because it means my status is achieved by building up rather than tearing down. I choose it because it means I'm a part of something big rather than standing on top of something small. I choose significance. Listen, today we had one type of world champion. And in the next episode, we have another kind of world champion public speaking world champion. In the next episode, we have Aaron Beverly, world champion public speaker. And I'm looking forward to that episode. I hope you'll be there with me. Don't forget to leave a ranking, rating, or review for the show on any of our podcast networks, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Pandora, wherever you listen to podcasts. Guess what? Soon we'll be on Alexa. Hee hee. <laughs> Don't forget, you can also send me a message by going to robertkennedy3.com forward slash voicemail. That's robertkennedy3.com forward slash voicemail. Listen, y'all. 
I know life isn't easy and you got a lot of stuff. But don't forget, your stuff is your story and your story deserves a stage. I'm Robert Kennedy III and you've been listening to The RKT Show.